Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Drinkon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. And welcome to another exciting episode of the Eternal Optimist podcast with my new friend and fellow North Carolinian here today, Mr. Chris Larson. Chris, how are you today, my friend? Matt, I'm doing great. It's good to see you. Awesome. Well, great to see you. I see you got a big smile on your face. Tell me, when you say you're doing great, what's doing great for Chris Larson on a regular Thursday like today? What does that mean, doing great for you? Yeah, look, Matt, I feel good. I got a bike ride in, beautiful bike ride in today. I'm going to get to have dinner with my family this evening. I get to do things like this, hopefully make an impact in the world and move things forward a little bit. I've had some great calls with investors. And I think you are, let's see, you're definitely at least my second podcast today. Nice. So um, love getting out and again, trying to help people on their path to financial independence. Awesome. And I cannot wait to dive deep into how you're doing that. And Why- Oh, I'm sorry. And, and I got up at 4:30 in the morning. I jumped in my cold plunge this morning. So <laughs> um, that's how I that's how I started the day. So that helps kick it off on the right foot. Dude, I knew we were going to get along well. You're one of those insane animals like me that <laughs> likes to get up and, and do cold water stuff. A little crazy. <laughs> a little crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love so it, you start off. Yeah, you start off with that at 4:30, and the rest of the day is a little bit downhill, right? Yeah. Oh well. Hey, remember the first time that you ever jumped into the cold? Were you having reservations about doing it or did you just say just go for it all right we'll start with an entertaining story so my wife in college she uh, was born in montreal she's swedish i get to meet her family for the first time we met in april and went on our first date so that christmas we go up to see her family visit her family and her family they're kind of crazy like crazy in a good way (laughs) they're they're professionals they're lawyers and financial managers and doctors and very successful but they're the work hard play hard type map. And they have this compound north of Montreal on a lake. They said, hey, Chris, we're going to hop in the sauna. And after the sauna, which is 205 degrees, by the way, whoa, we're going to go get in the lake. I'm like, I love saunas. Well, the lake is frozen, like six inches thick frozen. So we go down and we cut a hole in the lake first. So we cut a hole in this lake through this ice, push the ice under, and then we go and get in the sauna and they're like, oh, we're going to go in the sauna. I was like, well, I love saunas. I was like, so I'm going to get in early because I'm like, I want some extra time in the sauna. That sauna was so hot. It was like time just slowed down. And I just remember looking at the clock and that second hand was moving like this. Ka-chunk, ka-chunk. <laughs> and I'm like starting to hallucinate in there. I'm like, I got to get out. But uh, I'm with her family. I was like, I don't want to be like a wuss, you know, so I don't want to get out of this sauna. So I'm dying. Like I can barely see my eyes are starting to like melt. I feel like. So finally, somebody's like, all right, I think we need to get out. And it only been like five minutes, which that doesn't seem like a long time. But when it's 205 degrees, it's it's freaking ridiculous. So yeah, we hopped out, ran down the hill through the snow. And this is December in uh, Canada and jumped 
through the ice into that water. And it shocks you so bad because it's colder. It's like 30 degrees, right? It's frozen. It's cold water, but it's moving a little bit underneath. So it's below freezing. But I was so hot, we got out and I ended up laying in the snow afterwards. So that was not the first time I got into cold water, but that's the first time in my memory that it was like a conscious experience versus like jumping in a, a river or something like that, you know, or like <laughs> something like that. Dude, so that was, it. that's real cold. That's real cold. Man, that's awesome. What a great opening story. Uh, man, <laughs> dude, it reminds me the first time I did this with our company. We got all of our coaches together for our, our retreat. And this a few years back, and in January, we were in St. Simon's Island, Georgia, and it wasn't 30 frozen degrees. It was 40-something <laughs> degrees, but it wasn't frozen. That's cold. Yeah, yeah, Still, yeah. it was cold as heck. And there was like literally like hundreds of dead jellyfish laying out on the beach and we go and do this and we, we take off all of our clothes just down to our shorts and, and t-shirts and jump in the ocean. And it's like 7 a.m. in the morning. We do all this live on Facebook stream and it was awesome and freaking cold. Awesome. And darn it, if I didn't yeah. get a jellyfish that got me under the water oh. and it freaking stunk. <laughs> and I was trying to be like all masculine and brave and like not show it. It hurt. <laughs> man, that thing hurt. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, jellyfish suck, man. I grew up off the Chesapeake Bay. Jellyfish suck for sure. Dude, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, the kids like to look at them whenever we're at the beach and they're laying there oh, yeah. beach to just dead. Oh, yeah. The kids poke them. So, oh, yeah. any event, yeah. thank you for sharing your yeah. cold water story. That sounds yeah. fun and insane and awesome. All this is buttering you up for the hard question, Chris, to tie into just something challenging. And I want to ask you, what's the hardest thing that you have had to endure and overcome in your life so far? Yeah, so it's one of these things that you don't hear talked about a lot. I appreciate that you asked this question because I think one of the positives of experiencing adversity in life is that it's kind of like compound interest. You know, we talk a lot about financial stuff on our podcast and people know about compound interest. And to me, adversity is very similar. The earlier on in life that you face adversity, the greater the benefit that you experience throughout your life. And what I mean is, we all know this. If you're an athlete, you know, we talk about like you jump in, you jump in some cold water and you gain a little bit of strength. You gain a little bit of confidence every time you do that. Because you're like, well, hang on a second. That water was 30 degrees. I didn't die. I was in there for 30 seconds. What if I'm in there for 45 seconds a minute? The next time you're faced with something, let's say it's a 10 seconds of cold water. You're like, well, this isn't a big deal. I can calm my body down. I can manage this. You learn skills, right? And sometimes it's not a systematic learning. Like you teach your coaching clients how to deal with different situations. You use systems and you, you know, you train and different skills and knowledge. A lot of the stuff you just have to kind of experience on your own, right? Through how you personally experience these things, especially when you're young. This is all leading up to some experiences here. But it's the same thing that an athlete faces. You know, you go through different events in races in game, on game day. And there was an expression that I absolutely loved. Train hard, race easy. Train hard, race easy. And the point is, I raced bicycles for 20 years. And the idea is you want to train harder than you go in the race. And then you can actually execute on a strategy and do these things. A lot of people, they work up to an event and the event is the hardest thing that they've ever done. And that's a problem because you're not actually performing at your best. You're, you're achieving a new level of accomplishment, but you can't truly compete if you're at your absolute physical limit. That's why it's so important to train harder than you're facing your competition. So Malcolm Gladwell, I forget if it was David and Goliath or Outliers, but he talked about this disproportionate number of individuals 
who had a parent die that became CEOs, became presidents. And it was the first time it dawned on me, my father died when I was five, that I had this unconscious deadline in my head. I always felt, Matt, that when I got up in the morning, it was like there was a string pulling me, like pulling me through life. And people are like, like, why do you do this? Like, why do you, I was like, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just want to, I want to do this. I want to, you know, have these experiences. I want to do that. But the interesting thing is, this is how I think about it. As an engineer, as an analytical person, if time is an equation, if the value of time is an equation and the number of days you live is the denominator, right? If you think you're going to live forever, the value is essentially zero because anything divided by infinite, infinity is zero, right? As soon as you place a number, as soon as you realize that your days are numbered, that you're mortal, that time is finite for you, that value goes up exponentially, right? And to me, if you experience an intense loss as a child, you know innately that you have a given period of time. Now, I think that was important, but as we talked about before the show, and I talk about in my book, which I'm happy to share with you if you're listening today, we'll give you a free copy. But I was racing bicycles. I started racing when I was 14 years old. Amazing. It gave me just phenomenal experiences. It gave me confidence. It taught me teamwork. It taught me how to deal, how to not be a jerk when you failed and had to learn the hard way, taught me teamwork, all these different things, structure, discipline, systems, all this stuff. But the thing that it also taught me was, again, how valuable life is. And that's because my best friend, he was my training partner, he was my roommate, he died in between my freshman and my sophomore year of college. So we go to this race, he had a massive brain hemorrhage. And they told me that he'd gone to the hospital and we'd driven up together. So I drove to the hospital, got his bag out of the car, went in and they took me back and the doctor pulled me aside and he explained to me what happened. And it's all a blur, but he pulled me in the room and I was the one that identified my friend there laying dead on the table. And I went back to school, kept racing my bike. And at that time, the racing became as much as of a therapy as, as competition. So I'd go ride and it was, you know, people drink to dull the pain and the, the memories and different things. I'd ride, like I just ride, I'd ride and ride and ride. And I was training 20, 30 hours a week. I was also going to school for engineering, which I wasn't doing very well at at the time. And I really didn't want to be there. I was probably depressed. You know, I was never like clinically diagnosed or anything like that. But I raced another year and we came up on my friend's memorial race. So the year prior, we had a race that our team put on and they did it in his honor. His name was Chris Strader. So it was the Chris Strader Memorial and I won it. And then the following year, I actually won it again. Now I didn't just win it. I actually got a flat tire. Somebody had thrown tacks in the road and I got a flat tire <laughs> and I went out of the back. Yeah. Cause it was in a neighborhood and you know, probably kids and you know, somebody that was either unhappy with the, the race shutting down their roads or just kids being kids. And we all do dumb stuff when we're younger. So fortunately nobody was hurt, but I got a flat tire. So, you know, it looked like my race was over. Like I was out of the back of the field. The whole team slows down to pull me back up. And if you're familiar with road racing, you know, your team helps you out, helps a leader out by blocking the wind. So my team dropped back to help me. And I was so strong that day that I rode away from my teammates, rode back to the field, rode through the field off the front, and I won. I won the race, second year in a row. And I, I mean, I was like in dominant form. So I should have been happy. I should have been thrilled. I was at the peak of my cycling powers, if you will. And I felt nothing. People say that the opposite of love is hate, but the opposite of love is indifference. And I felt nothing. I felt this like lack of anything. And I went back to school and I'm like, what am I doing? Like what? I'm just riding my bike around in a circle. Like what? I'm meant for more than this. And 
I said, you know what? I'm not going to live with regret. And up to that point, I'd, I'd sacrificed a lot. You know, it's like, hey, somebody invited you to a party or do something. You're like, oh, I can't do that. I remember I was hanging out with this girl and she brought me a hot dog from like the little cookout that they were having on campus. And I'm like, oh, I, I can't eat that hot dog because I'm racing my bike. Like I got to be, it's like pure. I wouldn't drink. I wouldn't take an Advil. I wouldn't eat a hot dog. I was crazy. Super disciplined, Matt. But during that process, I quit, sold all my bikes, sold everything. And I said, all right, I don't want to live with regret. I want to have these experiences, like the beautiful experience of rafting down the Grand Canyon. But there's a reality in this world. And the reality is you need money to take advantage of opportunities, whether it's a business opportunity or let's say your child has a uh, special need, whether it's learning or physical, and you need to send them to a special school or your friend invites you down the Grand Canyon and you want to take you know, a few weeks to do that. Like You need financial resources to do this. Donate to causes. All these things require money in some way, shape or form. And I said, you know what? I'm going to be financially independent. I had gotten introduced to the stock market by the same family friend that actually coincidentally introduced me to cycling. And I started learning about the stock market, started day trading. I was making $1,000 a week as a junior in college. But wow, that's not financial independence because you're day trading. I'm laying awake in bed at 3 a.m. And I was like, this is like, I'm 20 years old. And I was like, what happens when I'm 40? Like, I might not be alive at this rate because I was like, I'll never forget. It's 3 a.m. I wake up. I hadn't slept all night. And I drank like a Red Bull or monster drink or something like at 5 a.m. You know that feeling when you've had too much caffeine and not enough sleep and you just feel like crap. Oh, yeah. You know, and I just remember that feeling. I bought another bike is a little over a year later and I went for a ride and I was like, I'll go for a ride. And I just felt terrible. And I was like, this is like, I can't I can't do this for another 20 years. So I read over 250 books on money, on real estate, on the stock market, on business. I ended up getting an MBA in portfolio management and finance and portfolio management. And I decided at the age of 21 that real estate was going to be my path towards financial independence because I like the risk. I like the ability to have some control. I like the leverage. And I bought my first property at 21 and built a small portfolio of residential properties. I said, you know what? I'm going to pay these off and I'll have $10,000 a month coming in. That's it. I'll be done in my early mid thirties. That was my path. And then as I write about in my book, we then transitioned into commercial real estate. But the question you asked was what drove me and losing my father planted that original seed. But when I lost my friend, that was the sharp knife that really cut through everything and really taught me how precious life is and how we have to make the most of every day. It still drives what I do every day today. Wow. I appreciate and honor you for sharing so transparently something that's so difficult. And I go back to the first thing you shared when I ask you what the challenge that you overcame and you shared that, you know, one of the positives, I just love the way you framed everything there, Chris, one of the positives of adversity is that compound interest, the earlier you get exposed to it, it can actually be something that helps you to strengthen. And somehow, some way that mindset has been born into you and you lost your father at five, you lost your best friend in college, and you found the way to turn this into learning lessons and to build financial freedom and now to impact many people on their journey. And I'd love to honor you for that and then go into this journey of, you know, why did you decide to go and help others to achieve financial independence? And just please talk about that, your why behind it, Chris. Yeah. So I think, again, whatever it is you want, in the world we live in, money can help that. If Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, he founded strategic coach, he has a saying, 
He says, if you can write a check for it, it's not a problem. And that's a good point. Money can buy your time back. You can hire people to help you out and do things. It can buy opportunities for yourself, for children. It can buy experiences. It helps things. And you know, when I was younger, I'd hear things like, oh, the number one reason people get divorced is money. And I grew up in a blue collar, like straight up blue collar home. My mother remarried when I was 11. And my parents combined did not make six figures. I didn't go to private school. My mother was a public school teacher. She was actually a teaching assistant. She made like around $30,000 a year. We had enough, but I certainly didn't have a quote unquote silver spoon in my mouth and and that sort of thing. But we, we had enough. You look around and you see people that got the Nike shoes or they got the, like when I was young, jams were the cool shorts to wear. Oh, uh, like, we must be the same me. age, brother, because yeah. I had jams there in the fifth grade. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But see, my I didn't. My grandmother had, my grandmother made me fake jams. And you look at these little things and even as a kid, you remember back and you think, well, man, or how come Eric and his family get to eat Pizza Hut pizza? Those things, they have an impact on you. And you're like, well, that's, you know, I'd like to have those things too. I was a kid. And then as you get old, you know, as I race bikes, it's like, well, hey, you, I'd see these kids from New England and they'd have these, you know, multi-thousand dollar bikes. And cycling is a physical sport, but it's also, a, it's technology as well, right? It's a machine and the machine makes a big difference. So these things had an impact as I was younger. And then as I got older and you realize that people don't teach you this stuff about money. And I get given a money magazine when I'm 18, 19 years old, and I learn about compound interest for the first time. And I'm like, this is like a miracle, you know? You like look at this, and it, it made so much sense to me, yet I couldn't figure out why no one had taught this. So then I get my MBA, portfolio management, I start learning about the financial industry. And what I realize is financial advisors, they're salespeople. That's not right or wrong, but the financial industry, it's not truly set up for the good of the clients. And here, look, I was in the healthcare industry for a long time as well, 18 years in the medical device space. We have a couple problems in this country, in my opinion. One is people don't take responsibility for their health and they don't take responsibility for their wealth. And the thing is, you can prevent a lot of disease, a lot of surgeries by preventive measures like the proper diet proper exercise, some selective supplementation, these sorts of things can make massive impacts. Vitamin D. I forget what the exact statistic was, but the vast majority of people that died from COVID were deficient in vitamin D. The vast majority of people that died from COVID had other comorbidities. They had other sicknesses. They were overweight. It's one of the reasons we had so many deaths in this country from COVID is because we're, we're not healthy. People are obese. So, you know, you look at, you look at those things. It's the same thing in the financial world. Oh, I have my money in my 401k. Okay, what does that mean? You hear people say this. Oh, I invest my money in my 401k. That's not an investment. That's just a vehicle, right? Oh, I give my money to my financial advisor. They don't actually know what's going on. As I learned about the industry and then I learned about these strategies where it's like, well, geez, you can make 10, 20, 30% on your money. It was incredible to me. I was like, well, shoot, I can be financially independent in 10 years. And what impact can you make? So that's the thing that that really, really started to churn in my brain. Again, from a selfish perspective, Matt, I didn't start out and say, hey, I'm going to be financially independent and teach people about it. I've always enjoyed coaching. I started coaching people when I was in college and cycling and different stuff. But that was never my intent. I just wanted to have financial independence so I could live life on my own terms. But then 
as I went through it and people started to ask me like, well, hey, what do you do with your money, Chris? How do you do this? And people were like, well, hey, can I get involved with that? Can I invest in some of these real estate deals that you're doing? It's like, whoa, these really intelligent people, surgeons, successful business people, even they didn't know these secrets. And then what I found out was the way the ultra rich, the way families that are worth 20, 30, $100 million plus, the way they invest, the way endowments invest, it's not like the way your average investor invests. They're not invested 100% in stocks and bonds. They have investments in businesses and real estate. And those are the top two ways that people earn enormous amounts of wealth, business and real estate. It's not through a W-2 job. It's not through a 401k. And again, Robert Kiyosaki did a great job. So I read Rich Dad Poor Dad. All this stuff started to compound. As we started to bring investors in, what happened was a lot of people started calling me and they'd say, hey, Chris, I'm interested in what you do, but I'm just getting started. I had one of these calls earlier today with a, a young gentleman, 22 years old. What advice do you have for me? And what I realized was I'd have a call and then next week I'd have a similar call or I'd have a similar email. And then those weekly or monthly calls turned into daily calls or daily emails. And I realized that, wow, like there's a real desire for this information. And Caleb Wellborn, who founded the podcast with me, he ran my market. He said, Chris, you should start a podcast. I was like, I don't want to do a podcast. You know, <laughs> he also encouraged me to write my book as well. And I was like, well, I'm not a, I'm an engineer. I'm not a good author, you know. But as I thought about it, I said, well, let's start a podcast together, Caleb. And the idea, Matt, was that we curate this information so we could share it with more people. I got asked actually by the state SEC, I had a call with them, which I'm not going to go into that story. But they're like, well, hey, how does your website make money? I was like, well, it's not there for money. It's there for education. And it's funny because they were dumbfounded that somebody would have a website that didn't actually produce money. But again, if you help people, right, it comes back in, in different yes, ways, sir. as we know. You know, as you educate, it comes back and you create a following and loyalty and you educate people on doing these things. But again, no, learning what I learned and then seeing the need and the desire, it inspired me to create this educational platform, which is now Next Level Income. So we have the podcast, we have the blog, we have the book, which you can get a free copy if you go to our website, nextlevelincome.com. Just click on the book link and we'll even mail you a copy if you put your address in. We even have a course now as well. So the idea is all the things that I learned on my journey over the past more than two decades now, we've put into a framework that you can walk through step-by-step step and replicate the same journey towards financial independence. Wow. First of all, thank you for sharing this. What I've heard is nextlevelincome.com is a place where we can find out more about your podcast. We can get a copy of the book. So heads up here, listeners. Let's give Chris the opportunity to send out a bunch of books. Let's make his shipping costs go way high so he can serve us. I'd love it. <laughs> yes. I'd yeah. love it. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I love it. That's fantastic. So... What frustrates me is that you're not the only person, like so many of us say, that we don't learn this stuff in school. We have to go out of our way to try to learn about this, and it's not taught. And you're offering a place to teach it. You're not even asking for people to pay you. You're teaching it as a resource at your website. I love it. Well, if I were to go to listen to your podcast, what kind of stories, what kind of information or interviews, what would happen if I were to listen to your show, Chris? Yeah. So Matt, first off, I absolutely love the, the name of your podcast, Eternal Optimist. And just your energy and your smile, you emanate the, the same optimism. Thank you for that, sharing that. that. The, uh, 
the title does. Yeah, it's fantastic. And look, I'm an optimist too. We're faced with challenges. We mentioned that adversity, you know, it breeds strength, that it compounds and it makes your life easier as you get older. That's not something that people want to hear though. That doesn't win elections to be cliche. Like, hey, why don't you go experience some adversity and it'll make you stronger and then you can be successful like me. People don't want to hear those things. It's tough to hear, even if it's true. Instead of focusing on the negative, we say, hey, let's bring positivity Again, it's focused on the financial world, but we talk about three broad topics, how to make more money, keep more money, and ultimately grow your money. And what's interesting is I kept it that way, Matt, because to make more money, it could involve things like optimizing your health. So you may hear an interview with actually my personal doctor that comes on, teach you how to be you know, more productive, have more energy for your family, for things that matter in your life to make a bigger impact, to work more if you want. You'll learn about tax strategies. You can listen to tax strategists, tax consultants to help reduce your taxable income. Now, that might not sound as sexy as saying, hey, I got a 50% return on this investment. But the fact of the matter is that's probably one of the biggest areas of opportunity for most people is reducing their taxable income and protecting themselves through proper entities and structures and those sorts of things. And then we talk about all different kinds of investments. We talk about investments in the stock market. We talk about real estate investments, investments in businesses like our car wash brand that I'm wearing the hat here today. I was wondering what that um, is. So, what is Hurricane? That, what, tell us a little yeah, bit more so, about that uh, real quick, off, off topic. What is that? Yeah. So first off, this is my excuse for not combing my hair here today. But also Hurricane Express Wash, we have about 30 locations now. We do real estate syndications as well, which is kind of our real business. You know, we have our education platform, and then we also bring in investors in our syndications. But Hurricane Express Wash is a syndicated investment opportunity for investors where you can also participate in that. So we can talk all about the Express Tunnel car wash business. We could do a whole podcast on that. But long story short, to me, it's a great business, and it's something that we also offer to investors to join us in. Yeah, I was super curious about that from the moment I saw it. I was like, what is Hurricane? What is that? And uh, I knew you were in real estate syndication. I like the hat and I like the logo and our team does a phenomenal job. So love yeah, to, love well, to so this is, okay, I love this. This is the perfect case study because we look at how you learn about buying business, how you learn about investing in the right places. It's not taught anywhere in school. Let's look for businesses and let's buy a car wash. In your way, how did you learn to look for businesses and invest in businesses. And I know that's another podcast all in itself, but let's yeah, it for is, a few minutes but, go over there. Yeah, but this is, so this is something that, and I like frameworks, Matt. So let's kind of take it step by step. So let's say you're young and you are starting out in your career. One of the pieces of advice I can give you is don't go and get a job just for the paycheck. Go find a job that is going to teach you and make you more valuable so that the next job you get, you're going to be worth 50, 100% more than that job. Okay. You're going to get the paycheck, but you're also going to get that education and that experience. And if you're in business and you start to pay attention and you learn how business units within businesses work, you can start to learn about the finances behind these businesses. You can look at the P&L. Whether you're working for a small business or a larger business, you can go and read the financial statements. You can educate yourself on these sorts of things. And soon, with a little bit of effort and time, you can become financially literate. And what that means is, you know, just like if you pick up a book and you read through it, you may understand the words, but do you understand how the phrases are put together, you know, and having a couple of kids, as you teach them, if you're listening, you have kids, you know that they can identify a letter and then a word and then phrases and then put them together. It's the same thing. You might 
understand numbers and how to add and subtract and multiply, but can you understand numbers in the context of a business? How does a P&L work? You know, what's profit? What's loss? What's net operating income? So you can understand all these things as you take an interest in the company you work with or the business that you work for. And then again, personal finance. You say, okay, how do I make more money? Look for opportunities in your career so that you can earn more money. If you are in a career where you have a fixed salary, you could start a side business. So my wife's an architect, okay? She was working for another architect and she was getting paid you know, a fixed amount, but she started doing some work on the side. So she was picking up side projects. And soon that business grew to the point where it equaled her paycheck that she was working in because she was making more per hour. She was able to scale that. Now she actually has other people. So she's created opportunities for other people you know, as well. So now she has her own. So again, that's in the make category, right? So you're starting to make more money and do that. And then keep more money. This is tax strategy. This is what businesses do. So again, we hear politicians and we hear in the news, oh, billionaires don't pay their fair share. And you know, this business didn't pay any tax because they're structured overseas. And it's no different than if you and I sat down to play Monopoly and you start to get upset because I'm winning. And you ask me, you're like, well, how long have you been playing this game? And I said, well, I've been playing 20 years, Matt. And I read the instructions and I read different strategies and I learned how to play it. You're like, well, this isn't fair. You're winning. You're beating me. And I'm like, well, have you played before? You say no. And you say, well, I haven't even read the instructions on how to play the game. And most people don't understand the rules of money. They don't understand the tax code, right? So then they get frustrated when they're losing and they see somebody else winning. But you can take responsibility in your personal finances, not only in making more money and learning how to have your own business, you know, whether it's a small business or a large business, but also learn the rules of the tax code. Because the tax code is just a big set of rules. And we can learn those rules and then we can structure our business and our expenses around those rules. And again, Robert Kiyosaki did a great job of illustrating that in Rich Dad, Poor Dad and talking about how businesses make money, pay expenses, then pay taxes. Whereas individuals, we make money pay taxes, then pay our expenses. So if you can figure out how to run your expenses through your business that you own, then that can be a real a real advantage. As you learn all this stuff, you are inherently learning what make good investments. Investments should do a few things. So when you invest in something, it could be a business or a piece of real estate. And look, multifamily real estate, like apartments where we got started, it's just a business that happens to be real estate. You know, let's say you have 200 units, you have 200 customers, you have 200 residents that are paying you rent every month. Those are your clients, right? If you don't provide a good product, they'll move out. They'll stop paying you. If you don't do a good job of vetting them, they can't pay you. It's no different than if you have a business and you're working with somebody and you don't ask them for payment up front or they don't have good payer history and then they can't pay you. You've done your work and you don't get paid. It's no different, right? We supply a unit, an apartment. And somebody doesn't pay or they're not happy, they don't want to pay, it's a business. You have to keep them happy. You learn about the rules of business. You learn how to make more money inside of the business. You learn how to structure it properly for taxes. And then the final piece, this is in business and other areas of your life. We talk about this on the podcast too. It's how to scale, right? I mentioned how money can buy back your time. Well, let's say, okay, I like to garden. We have a garden, but I also have, I have a friend. He's a firefighter but he also has a landscaping business and we pay him to do our landscaping. Now I could do the landscaping myself, Matt. I'd have to buy some equipment. There'd be an investment in that. But the fact of the matter is I can pay him 
and I can do things that make more money on an hourly basis so that I can now afford to pay him. So now his business thrives. My business thrives as well. I make more money and he makes more money. It doesn't have to be a zero-sum game. I could do that job. He would make less money and I would make less money. And by the way, the government would have less tax revenue. Okay. So by being a successful business owner and knowing that if I pay somebody that that can do a job better than me at a better value compared to what my skill set is, I can now scale my business and my life. It reverberates through the economy. To me, that's the miracle of the US economic engine that we have. And then you take that same mindset, you can apply it to your business. You can hire people to do jobs that you were doing, right? Like I don't ship my own books out. Actually, my mother-in-law used to be an executive assistant and she works for me now and she loves it. You know, she's in her early seventies and she loves that she can still do things and help me out. And it makes me happy. It makes her happy. It's, it's fantastic. And also it's, it's great for tax benefits because when we get together, we have to have business meetings. There's some nice tax benefits. Thank you. My mother-in-law might not hear this, but she will soon be <laughs> shipping out my books when it comes out in December. So thank you for that, that tip. That was There you go. Fantastic. I'm happy, yeah, happy to share our process with you, Matt. She really enjoys it. But that's a good example. So then you learn how to create more revenue. You learn how to optimize your after-tax income. And then you learn how to scale the different businesses and segments. And again, you can start that in your own household, and then you can apply that to your business. So any investment that you make, you should say, hey, is this business structured the same way? What's the strategy, Matt, that you have in running this apartment? Do you apply by these same rules? Can you explain to me your strategy? Does it make sense? So let's take these example. People say, hey, well, where do you buy apartments, Chris? Or where do you sell storage facilities or mobile home parks? We buy largely in the Southeast. Now, why do we buy in the Southeast? We buy in the Southeast because that's where people are moving. If people are moving here, people need a place to live. People are moving here because there are jobs being created here. Businesses are moving here. You hear about businesses moving from New York to Florida, for instance, right? Well, if businesses are moving here and creating jobs and people are moving here and, and need a place to live, that's probably a nice tailwind that you can move into in the housing space. That makes sense. That should make sense to you. And then we explain that we're buying a specific type of apartment. So like we're buying class A apartments that may need a little bit of love, right? Maybe they were built in 2016 and they need, say, new fixtures, new flooring. You know, Maybe they need a, a kitchen spruce up here and there. But by investing $5,000, maybe we can charge another $200 a month in rent. That's we're creating value or creating demand for that. And then we do what's called a cost segregation analysis. So we go through and we optimize the taxes. I won't go into what all that is, but that's very simple, right? I'm explaining a strategy, how we create more revenue, how we optimize taxes. And then ultimately we plan to sell those apartments and we take that money, we take that capital that's now grown and we buy a bigger complex or we buy maybe two complexes and we do it all over again. That's the example of the scalability in it. So again, we're taking the framework for your business or your personal life and you can use that same framework and use it for your investment strategies as well. Wow. Here's what I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling that you just laid out this giant monopoly game of life and you've challenged our listeners to first look at the board, read the rules, study that manual, study the strategies of others who have succeeded in this monopoly game. And you've actually shared a deep, deep, deeply held truth that I believe in. And you had the courage to say it out loud that you 
are responsible for your own health and your own wealth. You can't cry no fair. We can, but ultimately, where does that get us? Matt, you and I can sit here and talk about all the adversity and all the excuses we have for not achieving what we want. At the end of the day, what do we have? We have our excuses. Or we can say, hey, what can we do about it? And here's the beautiful thing. All those things I talked about, there's somebody out there that can help you with that. There's coaches out there. There's information out there. That's why, look, our information is free on our website. 90% of what you need to achieve financial independence, you can get for free. The rest, a little bit of coaching, a little bit of education, and the capital that it takes to ultimately do that, that's up to you. But the information is out there. Again, I've had certain advantages. You know, If you're listening to this podcast, you've had certain advantages. But the fact of the matter is the amount of information that we have access to in our fingertips is way more than the most affluent had just decades ago in institutions, colleges, all these things. So we have so much power today through information. And it's just up to us to take advantage of it instead of wasting our time on like TikTok. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate everything you've shared, especially the mother-in-law. She's going to be shipping my books from her place, number one. And let me know, um, man. I'll walk. Yeah, I'll walk her through our process. Dude, this is this is fantastic. I know we've captured nextlevelincome.com as a place that we can find out more about your podcast, your book. We can get a copy of the book sent to us. Awesome. From your mother-in-law. Now we know. Let's help her get paid and help her. Uh, <laughs> Thank, and you, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Yes. Well, absolutely. Uh, is there any other place or any other way that we can connect with you and find out more about you, Chris, follow you on social? Just how can we do that? I'm on all the social platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook. I think my team's even got me on Instagram and YouTube. But yeah, check us out at nextlevelincome.com, Matt. You can get a free copy of our book. You can subscribe and listen to the podcast. You can check out the blog. We have resources up there teaching you about different life insurance strategies. We even have a coaching course as well that you can get. And I think the uh, $500 off code is next level, all caps, next level, all caps. You get $500 off that course as well. And then Matt, when you come out with that book, you have to come on the podcast as well and share your story and, and share with our listeners your book as well. Oh, I would gladly accept that. And I'd love to share the story of how I made a lot of money and then spent it all because of poor financial habits and then made it all back and more because of learning from people just like you who are sharing these things. So I love that you are a learner and you are an advocate of learning and that you speak the truth today to take personal responsibility. I've just been a fan of a lot of stuff you shared. There is one question though that I wanted to ask. Absolutely. Uh, because you started off, I thought it was a risky place. You shared that, man, in your words exactly were, my wife's family's crazy. I thought, where is he going with this? And then you share, well, they carved out the ice lake and then jumped the 208 degree sauna. So I love that. I'm curious, how did you and your wife meet? You said you met in college. How did you guys happen to meet? It's kind of a deep story, but the surface level, I used to teach a cycling class. I raced bicycles. I taught a cycling class and she came to that class. I'm good with faces. I tend to not forget faces. And it actually drives my wife crazy. We were in Costa Rica and I went up to this guy and she's like, what are you doing? And I was like, I think this guy goes to my gym back in Virginia. What? And sure enough, he was, <laughs> yeah, I was in the airport and the guy looked at me like I was, like I was crazy. And I was like, Hey man, you, you go to the gold's gym in Arlington, Virginia. He's like, yeah, why? I was like, so do I. He's like, okay. My wife's like, what are you doing? I was like, isn't that like, <laughs> I mean, that's like, 
It'd be more weird if I was like, yo, dude, I saw you in Costa Rica, you know, back at the gym. That would be, uh, anyway, she didn't find it as amusing as I did. But we end up in the same yoga class at this small yoga studio. I said, you look familiar. She said, I, I came to your cycling class. So we talked after class. We hit it off, definitely had a bond there. And a couple months later, I was sitting on campus at Virginia Tech. And I was staring at the architecture building and thinking, I remember this cool girl I met in yoga said she was an architect. And it was five o'clock on a Friday, myself and one other person in this giant student center. And lo and behold, she walks out of the building and she came in to get a snack. She was working on her design project and I asked her out to dinner. And on this plaque back here, it says our first date, 420, 2001. And that was, uh, that was, that was the day we met. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. What a good story. Thank you for sharing that. And ding, ding, ding. It's time for the lightning round to, to wrap up some questions today, Chris. Oh, oh uh, geez, man. Lightning round. I got to get, get on point here. Okay. Well, well, they're coming fast and furious. The first question is, the eternal optimist is the name of our podcast. What does eternal optimist mean to you, Chris? First off, your smile is, is the eternal optimism, as I mentioned before. But it's that mindset, Matt, that we all have the ability to create our own destiny. And I've shared some of the adversity that I've faced in my life, but when life knocks you down, whether you fall off your bike, you know, you get back up, you got to get back on. You got to have to have the attitude that you can continue to succeed. And these challenges are just going to make you stronger Amen. for your next challenge in life. Amen. Awesome. Great answer. You mentioned Kiyosaki and Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant, those books. Fantastic. Is there a book that has had an impact on you? One or two books that you would recommend? When I set my goals, a lot of people are like, oh, you have your financial goals. My first category of goals that I set is health. Okay. I think that health, it's above all else, right? If you don't have your health, you'll trade money to get your health back. A great book by David Sinclair is called Lifespan. And he talks about this concept. Again, I love concepts that change your mental state. He talks about how aging is not inevitable, that it's a disease that can be cured. So I would highly recommend Lifespan because it can help you not only add hours to your day, but it can add years to your life. That's way better than any anything that I can teach you about money. If you can add years to your life, that's something that money money can't quite buy. That's fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for that. And the last question, what's your song? If there is a song that gets, gets you jacked, inspired, ready to ride or ready to do whatever it is that you like to do, Chris, what is an inspirational song for you? I'm going to give you a little curveball here. So I love 90s, early 2000s rap and rock and some stuff that's kind of a little aggressive to get fired up. But Coldplay has the song Fix You. And when our dog passed away, we put our dog down several years ago. It was my wife's dog when we first met. And I'm on the bike ride. It was the day after. It happened to be Father's Day 2015. I'm on this ride. I actually did the same ride today. I started to tear up because I felt guilty, put her down. I knew she was suffering. Even the vet said it was the right time. She died really quickly. Her body was very frail. I never listen to music when I ride. I keep my phone off in my back pocket. As I'm having this thought, as a tear rolls down my face, that song started playing in my back pocket. Our dog, Jackie, told me that her spirit was still with me. And I tell you that story because whenever I get sad, I think about my friend or my, my parents or dog or somebody that I've lost. I truly believe that their spirit is still with us, still with me. 
whether it's just inside of me and I carry their strength, whether you believe as I do that they're still here in, in some way, shape or form. That song, when I'm facing a challenge, helps, that helps pick me up, maybe in a little bit different way than Kanye West or Jay-Z or something like that or Eminem, but <laughs> yes. it, definitely, uh, it definitely inspires me. That was a curveball. Thank you for sharing that. That's the next thing I'm going to do when we hang up is go and listen to that. And just thank you for sharing wisdom today, sharing mental models, speaking truth, sharing Golly, adversity you've overcome and just you're so cool and learned and tactical in the way you do it. I just I love that about you. It's really cool to watch you operate. So thanks so much for being on today, Chris. And it's been a real joy. And again, friends, listeners, nextlevelincome.com. Go and check out and connect with Chris Larson here on all the social media channels. So Chris, thanks so much for being with us today, my friend. Matt, it's been my pleasure. Thanks for all you do. 